Today's Issues continues on AFR. Welcome back to the last segment of the second hour of Today's Issues here on American Family Radio. I'm your host today, Walker Wildman, sitting in for my dad, Tim Wildman. We have with us Fred Jackson from uh, One News Now, American Family News, and then uh, Ray Pritchard with us. And now we have Steve Drodal with some news headlines. Uh, Steve, welcome to the studio. Thank you. Good to be here. Give us an update of what's going on in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, Nashville, Tennessee. So the Southern Baptist Convention is uh, it's a denomination three days out of the year, they say, or two. And uh, this is one of those days. The Southern Baptist Convention is meeting in Nashville, and they are, they have some issues to discuss. And I know that, Fred, you and you also, Ray, have been following this very closely. Here are the three issues that they're talking about. One, two years ago in uh, Orlando, I think it was. No? Well, was it, da- Birmingham. was it Birmingham. Birmingham. Birmingham, yeah. Okay. They, uh, they voted uh, what was known as Resolution Number 9, which is... To u- they voted to use CRT, critical race theory, as a tool to help them understand what the Bible says about race and what to do about race. That uh, upset a whole lot of people in the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, number two, there was some uh, quarrel about the way that uh, sexual abuse scandal was handled by the SBC. The third thing that's going to happen is they're going to elect a new president this afternoon. So... All of those are up for debate. Um, the, with regard to the first one, CRT is really unpopular with the messengers that have gathered there. I want you to hear what happened when there was a, a, a motion to basically undo resolution number nine. Let me, let's hear clip, clip 12. My name is Tom Askell. I'm the pastor of Grace Baptist Church, Cape Coral, Florida, a messenger from there. Pursuant to the provision made in Robert's Rules of Order, newly revised sections 35.1 and 35.2, I move that this convention rescind Resolution 9 that was adopted in the waning moments of the 2019 convention in Birmingham, Alabama. There is an African American. There is an African American pastor uh, named Dwight McKissick who has several African American Southern Baptist churches that is threatening to uh, leave. Do we, do we know how that vote went, or is it to be determined? They have not voted uh, on this yet. Okay. So, but he's promised to leave if it does pass. Uh, yeah. Let Let me just. I'm a Southern Baptist, so I'm going to speak to this this overall. Co- topic and then fred and ray y'all can jump in um and then we'll 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 keep discussing this the there's this basic i'm gonna i'm gonna hit it from forty thousand feet um basically the southern baptist convention we we have always had this struggle between basically the full inerrancy of scripture um it hasn't always been widespread it's been some pockets but basically between the J.D. Greer, the Southern Baptist Convention president for the past few years, and then we had Russell Moore, who is no longer head of the ERLC, Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is a wing of the SBC, basically. Um, the SBC overall, the leaders, have been base, kind of waffling and, and giving these signals, these, these, these woke signals. That's what I'm going to call it, this virtue signaling where they like to kind of tip their hat 
to the left-wing woke agenda in, in the name of appealing to everyone, right? And we, we saw Russell Moore make all kind of unbiblical statements. He mentioned he would uh, he sees no problem. It's more than fine to attend a homosexual wedding reception. That's what he said, a, a homosexual quote-unquote marriage wedding reception. The head of the ERLC, Russell Moore, said that's more than fine. And then there's uh, Russell Moore uh, meeting with President Obama, who was a major baby-killing uh, proponent. That was a fundamental part of his campaign was killing babies through Planned Parenthood. And Russell Moore met with him, and then President Trump, candidate Trump, comes along, and Russell Moore is too righteous to meet with Donald Trump. He has the uh, the forum over there on the East Coast heading into the 2016 election, and he invites Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, and a few others, and Trump doesn't get the invite because Trump isn't righteous enough for Russell Moore. So that's just my little spill. That's all from me as a Southern Baptist. Um, and so that's there's this there's been this infighting. The conservative resurgence is back, and they're tired of pandering to the left and to the woke crowd, and they're trying to take back their convention. That's my view of it, yes. Fred. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, you know, you Russell Moore, who you say is no longer head of the ERLC, he just quit about four weeks ago. Uh, he's now on staff at Christianity Today. In fact, he's no longer a Southern Baptist. He's going to a non-Southern Baptist congregation up there in Nashville. But he led the charge. And what's really interesting, guys, is that just in the last few weeks, somehow letters that Russell Moore wrote condemning conservatives in the Southern Baptist Convention magically appeared publicly. One that he wrote back uh, in, I think, February of this year or last year, but then one that he wrote to his good friend, current President J.D. Greer, on in the end of May. And and he's, in the letter he says, hey, we chatted last night, uh, Pastor Greer, but I wanted to put our thoughts down on paper. And magically, that letter gets released to the public. And in that letter, he openly condemns one of the candidates for to be the new president of the SBC, and that is Mike Stone. Mike Stone heads the conservative group. Yeah. So it was all designed to understand uh, to undermine the conservatives. This is the kind of individuals that conservatives in the Southern Baptist Convention, like you say, uh, you're, you're saying Walker, conservatives say enough is enough. We're not going to put up with CRT. Right. Critical race theory, as we've stated so many times, says if you're born white, you're an oppressor. If you're not born white, you're the oppressed. And and you have a group within the uh, Southern Baptist Convention thinks that's very valuable. We want to keep this. And so there has to be a divide. Yeah. The Southern Baptist Convention is going to go one way or the other, and whoever gets elected president uh, is going to determine that. Ray, um, is there, are we looking at a split in the Southern Baptist Convention here? Well, we'll find out the, the answer to the question a little bit more sometime this afternoon because the big election is today. And, folks, the three names to remember are Ed Litton and Al Mohler and then Mike Stone. And roughly within the Southern Baptist orbit, you're moving from, quote, the left side of the Southern Baptist Convention with Ed Litton, sort of, he's being, you know, Al Mohler sort of holding down the middle ground. Mike Stone, as Fred said, the leader of the 
renewed conservative resurgence inside the convention. Uh, if either Ed Litton or Mike Stone wins the presidency, Steve, you're going to see some people leaving the convention, either from the left or the right. Uh, if Al Mohler, uh, he, he may be the consensus candidate for a lot of people. Uh, plus, his Fred, as you know, his name recognition is through the roof compared to the other guys who are going to be on the ballot. So he may be the, the safe choice people are going to turn to. So to get back to the question, we'll know more yeah. this afternoon when the presidential election is decided. Yeah, I think if Mike Stone or a conservative candidate wins, I think it will actually do more to unify the convention because the the – I think as far when you look at numbers, I think there's more people who believe like we do in the in the in the Southern Baptist Convention member churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are those that are more left leaning uh, that also uh, do make up a portion. I wouldn't say the majority, but they do make up a portion of the um, convention. But you know the ERLC, which is the public policy arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, partially funded by the SBC. Um, overall budget, you know, Russell Moore was able to wreak so much havoc and do so much damage there as president that I think that's where a lot of this frustration comes from is because uh, Russell Moore headed up the ERLC from 2013 to 2021, just resigned a couple weeks ago. Um, but, but a couple things they did, and then we'll move on. If you can't tell, um, uh, I care deeply about this, but Russell Moore, um, when he headed up the ERLC, the first thing they did, which really was, and this started under Richard Land, and I, I like Richard Land. He's a guest on our network sometimes. Um, but they they created this document basically on how America should grant amnesty to illegal immigrants. And that document's still on their website. Uh, it's basically the ERLC position on illegal immigration. And there are some good things in it, I will add. Um, but my question has always been, what really role, why is the ERLC weighing in on granting amnesty to illegal immigrants? Yeah. What does that have to do with ethics and religious liberty for Christians in America? Uh, so that was one thing. And then the second thing, this is even more uh, disturbing, is when the ERLC weighed in, uh, basically submitted a friend of the court brief for a mosque in New Jersey to make sure that a mosque could be built um, in New Jersey on, on a, on a, in a city. There was a lawsuit going on between the mosque and the city, and the ERLC weighed in on behalf of the mosque, which is run by Muslims, uh, to make sure that they could set up a mosque. Now, I'm not saying that they don't have a that, – that their case was illegitimate or they shouldn't be able to have a mosque in that lawsuit, but what, once again – why is the ERLC weighing in on behalf of a false religion to make sure that they can set up uh, their mosque in New Jersey? So that's just two examples that have been very disturbing uh, that the ERLC, part of the SBC, has weighed in on. And on that note, we'll shift gears and topics. Steve? All right. Did you know that the 2020 election is still not decided? Well, it's decided. We do have a new president. That's not going to change. But in Arizona, they're still counting ballots there is uh, the Republican uh, leadership there has decided in Maricopa County they want to hand recount 2.1 million ballots and find out if indeed the results, which uh, Trump barely lost Arizona, if that if uh, they're legitimate. 
The uh, federal government is weighing in, saying, no, you, you shouldn't do this. You, uh, the, uh, a letter from uh, one of the Civil Rights di- Division of the uh, Justice Department saying that uh, you, you, this is wrong. We don't want you doing this. And uh, the Attorney General, I'm sorry, the Attorney General Mark Burnovich of um, Arizona writing back, uh, my office is not amused by the DOJ's posturing and will not tolerate any effort to undermine or interfere with the state's Senate's audit to reassure Arizonans of the accuracy of our election. We stand ready to defend federalism and state sovereignty against any uh, partisan attacks or federal overreach. Fascinating drama going on there, guys. Yeah, that that audit's been, it should be wrapping up here in the next, within the next couple days. Um, But that's going to tell us, you know, it's unfortunate that it takes this long, but uh, that should tell us, you know, what what kind of differences are, are exist between election day results, election night results, and then um, what we got now. So, Fred, it, it's probably going to be some helpful information to know what the audit results are, which we don't know yet. Yeah, uh, the battle over the 2020 election, uh, I predict, is going to continue right to 2022. Uh Things happened on Friday afternoon, and something happened last Friday afternoon that probably people are not aware of. The Attorney General of the United States was giving a speech, and he announced that he is doubling the size of his Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department. Why? He's doubling the size because he says we have to do something to fight voter suppression. Now, what was he saying? He was saying that the Biden administration is going to do their very best to continue the kind of voting um, apparatus that we saw in action last year. In other words, uh, let's take, for example, in Georgia, absentee ballots going out to everybody who didn't even solicit them. Uh, You have states now like Georgia who are correcting problems advocating for, uh, even if you have an absentee ballot, you must prove who you say you are. Imagine that. But I think what Garland was signaling out there, that they are under the guise, the umbrella of what they call voter suppression. They're going to try to bring in uh, some of the changes that Democrat-controlled states brought in in 2020. This is going to be an ongoing battle here. Understand And this is the way they phrase things. When Democrats call it voter suppression, Mm. what they're really saying, we want to ensure that cheating continues. Yeah. And I don't think I'm overstating that. We want to make sure that people who may have voted twice, can you imagine for a moment, you can't get on an airplane without ID. Right. Without proving who you are. You can't enter the White House grounds or the Capitol. Can't get a passport, can't uh, enter the Capitol. Yeah. But you have Democrats who want people to show up or to fill out an absentee ballot and not have to prove that they're a citizen of this yeah. country. Ray, the, in Arizona, at least to, the, to this point, they're not even passing a law. They're simply recounting the ballots. And the Biden Department of Justice, under the leadership of Merrick Garland as the attorney general, he is so disturbed at what's going on in Arizona simply because they're recounting the votes. You know, it's interesting in the response back from Arizona, it used a key word, federalism. We've almost lost that concept here in the 21st century. But that's that goes back to the United States Constitution, that 
Any power not directly given to the central government remains with the states. The counting of votes in each state belongs to that state. So there's nothing more constitutional than for the state Senate and the, the, the government there in, in Arizona to count and recount and certify the count so they can either say there were discrepancies or uh, everything was okay or here's some changes that need to be made. And guys, I wonder what's going to happen in, I don't know, a few days, a week, Walker, when, or Steve, when Fred, when, when what if they come out and say there's a 50,000 vote discrepancy that's way over the difference yeah between you know what happens then what could happen my question to any one of you is is this the proxy vote for was the election fair uh president trump's still saying it was stolen a lot of people still believing that uh, a lot of people saying you're nuts to think that um if arizona turns up like ray says to have a fifty thousand vote uh discrepancy then you can believe that Pennsylvania and, and Georgia and all these other states might have the same thing. It would certainly fuel that. But if yeah. Arizona comes back as accurate, does that put the uh, stolen election issue to bed? Well, I think if I think it's good that they're doing an audit. Honestly, I think every state should do a hand recount after every single election. I think there should be the, the tabulated vote, which is through the machines, that should be one number on its own that stands alone by itself. And then there should the next day, immediately, there should be a hand recount of every single ballot. Those should be two separate numbers that are then run against each other. Uh, that should be in every state for every election. And people say, well, that's too much. That would cost too much. Why? Why We, we audit everything else. I mean, companies have to get audited. We AFA gets audited. Why can't we audit our vote every time and then release those results just to make sure that things are running fair and square? And then one more one more statement. If Biden won fair and square, why does the Department of Justice have an issue with recounting the votes in Arizona? Yeah, I, I just think that all the rules that were changed under the guise of pandemic, those those all those changes should be wiped out. So let's let's go from there. Go back to 2019, basically. Go back back to 2019. Uh, we don't need all of those changes because I think some of those changes, I believe they were deliberately put in place to allow the Democrats to get more votes because in jurisdictions that they felt. I, I just think it is absolutely ridiculous that in states that sent out these absentee ballots to even people who didn't solicit them, that... That's insane. That's opening. Our, our colleague, Eva Tagliano, says, you know what? The safest way to go about voting, you have to show up on, on election day and you have to cast your ballot. That yeah. is the very safest right. way to do things. And you got to bring ID to prove who you, you are. you got to right? bring ID yes. to prove who you are. Go ahead and use computers to prove that Joe Smith didn't vote three times today right. in different jurisdictions. Uh, let's do that. Listen, cheating has been going on in voting for a long time. Uh, there are places, uh, there was a, a court decision involving a county in Mississippi back a few years ago. I mean, there were some people that were going to graves, getting names off of headstones, yeah. and they were voting. You know, well, if, if you can hack um, one, of our gas pi one of our fuel delivery pipeline systems, um, if you can hack SolarWinds, which is a... 
cybersecurity company, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. then why can't you hack these little machines that have va- basically no firewalls? Yes, it's true. The the watchword, of course, Ray's, you know, in Chicago, vote early, vote often. Right, early and <laughs> yeah. often. Right. Yeah, it's it's uh, to tell me there's there's no widespread voter fraud is is to make that that statement affirmatively without any questions asked is is dishonest. To and to bolster, bolster your point, to your point, Walker, the party that was willing to make up the Russia uh, collusion uh, hoax, the party that. Uh, we've taken apart on so many levels that have done things that are unscrupulous and the party that's for the slaughter of innocent children. What makes us think, what makes anybody think that all of a sudden when it comes to elections that they're, oh, we're going to follow all the rules. We wouldn't dare um, mess with elections. Right. Hey, can you imagine President Trump saying, I told you so? I can't imagine that. <laughs> well, he is. Um, on the uh, 12th, this was uh, three or four days ago, he put out a press release. This is a statement by Donald J. Trump, the 45th president of the United States. He says, have you noticed that they are, they are now admitting I was right about everything they lied about before the election? <laughs> and he lists about 10 or 12 things. Hydroxychloroquine. The virus came from the Chinese lab. Hunter Biden's laptop. Lafayette Square not being cleared so he could do a photo op. The Russian bounty story was fake. Did uh, We did produce ba- vaccines uh, before the 2020, uh, end of 2020. It was a record. The blue state lockdowns did not work. Schools should be reopened. Critical race theory is a disaster for our schools and our county, and our southern border security program was unprecedentedly successful. All of those things the media tore by uh, President Trump up for. Yeah. And they all turned out to he was right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I think what has been proven, too, and, uh, you know, the mainstream media is in bed with the Democratic Party. If you took a moment, and I, I did yesterday, to watch this news conference with President Biden, these reporters getting up, I was waiting for what's your favorite ice cream question, you know, <laughs> because that's where they are. Yeah. They are cheerleaders. For Joe Biden and the Democrats, uh, there was an article yesterday in the Wall Street Journal is that the mission of journalism today, this was the overall theme, the mission of journalism today is the mission. It's not about truth. The mission of journalists today is to make sure the Democrats are reelected in 2022. The mission of the journalism today is socialism and to denounce anybody that challenges the move towards socialism. I thought it was a great article if you get a chance to go to the Wall Street Journal and read that because it is so true. I've seen the transformation over the last 25 years, 30 years in journalism where they've gone from what they're supposed to be doing, reporting on the facts, to we want to be agents of change. They And what they talk about change, they the move towards socialism. Yeah, I think Trump derangement syndrome, TDS, is... I'm believing more and more that it's actually a real thing. Yeah, it should be in the DMS-5, right? Why else would yeah. you oppose, would you lie about a, a medicine like hydroxychloroquine that we know could save lives? Why would you lie about that for 15 months Yes. at the expense of thousands of lives? Yeah. Other than you hate Trump and you're willing to do whatever to see his demise. Yeah. Today's issues, American Family Radio, thanks to Steve, Fred, Ray, and our producer, Brent along with Sandy Rios and Frank Trick.
We'll be back tomorrow with more Today's Issues.